What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? You know what it is. It is the Grateful Eight show. We talk about sports, family, culture, business, entertainment, relationships, growth, and fitness. Excited for y'all to join us on this beautiful Friday morning. Marcus Watts, my co-pilot, alongside me. How you doing this morning, my man? I'm doing great, man, bro. I get to see you on Fridays and Mondays, so I'm I'm always doing great on those days, bro. How 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 are you doing? I'm doing good. I think what's cool about it is we can get some reps in now. You know, we got a little bit of a rhythm. We got some organization to what we're doing, and I'll be completely honest. I'm super biased to today's episode. Uh, this is my favorite time of year. Last year was very stressful. Um, Came with a lot of ups and downs, but my man, the NBA playoffs have arrived and I am super excited to chat hoops with you. I always wanted to do this with one of my best friends to sit and talk about one of the sports I'm most passionate about. So um, I'm just stoked, dude. I think this episode is going to be really dope. So for those of you who are just tuning in, um, this is our sports pillar today. We do like to make sure that we highlight whatever pillar um, that kind of goes back to the name Grateful Eight. We have eight pillars that we're running with, and today is sports, specifically the NBA playoffs. But before we get started, Marcus, we're both rocking jerseys today, and you know yes, the weather's we turning here in Arkansas. I know you're down in Texas, and the weather's already looking nice there. We got 80s today here in Arkansas, so it's time to get the guns out. You know your boy's been hitting the fitness, hitting the gym, so it's time to show off I all that hard you, work. But I got a question because I start to feel, and it could just be an Arkansas thing. I'm starting to feel that I'm one of the only guys that's consistently rocking jerseys. I have probably about a collection of probably 10 to 15 jerseys that I keep on rotation, especially for this time of year. And uh, I just, I'm, I'm a little worried that either A, I, I'm, I'm starting, I'm bringing back the old trend or that trend's dead and I'm just holding on for dear life. But you're rocking a Bulls jersey today. And I feel like something about a Bulls jersey just gives you a little asterisk where, like, you can you can wear it no matter what, right? So what are your thoughts on jerseys, man? First off, you are right about that. If it's a Bulls jersey, anybody from the 90s Bulls, I think that, that one, even if you're not a basketball fan, you see a Bulls jersey, then you're like, all right. As far as the um, jersey conversation, though, I think – it has made a bit of a swing back around and you know who I'm going to credit oddly enough, the bodybuilders because there started to be this trend of yeah. like dunks in training. If you haven't ever trained in a like squad, it did like leg day and like some Jordan ones or some dunks. It's one of the, it's a, cause it's such a flat shoe, right? It's a great shoe to train in. So yep. then that kind of led into the jerseys. Um, I've seen it more and more. Jack, our homeboy Jack, got me back into him last year, but literally I only fit like this one and one more now because my shirt size has gone up like two sizes since then, literally. Um, but I think it's just where you're at, bro. I think that nobody's just with it. You know what I'm saying? They just, and you know what, to be honest, who can keep up with your collection, bro? Cause I seen your hat collection and I know your Jersey collection is deep as well. So if that's a, an indication, like people can just give up right now. All right, let me give you a little taster of all the jerseys I've got the collection of. I got uh, white chocolate. I got the Kings Black 55. That one's one of my all-time favorites. Of course, I have a couple Jordan ones, including his Wizards All-Star last jersey. I have um, the old Chicago cursive 
Bulls jersey from um, his rookie year. I have beautiful a handful of KG jerseys. KG, for those of you who don't know, is my all-time favorite player, probably next to Mike. So I have the black Boston KG. I have the green KG. Obviously, with the new Celtics showing up, I have two Jason Tatum ones, including the one I'm wearing right now, which we're going to talk about here in just a second. And then um, recently picked up two more Jalen Brown. I feel like I had to mm-hmm. had to add him to the collection, so I got the all black Jordan Jalen Brown jersey. And then last but not least, I picked up the newest Celtic City Edition Blake Griffin because I always wanted a Rodman jersey, but there's just something about that Blake ninety one that uh, ninety one yeah spot. So those are kind of my top. I got a couple extra ones. I got a couple extra ones sitting back in the closet um, for for a rainy day. But those are actually some of my favorites. What's what's your favorite jersey that you own, Marcus? You know what? Actually, oddly enough, my favorite jersey that I have is my Steve Smith Team USA jersey. Um, though he wasn't on like the original Dream Team, um, it's hard to find Team USA jerseys. And Steve Smith was a. I remember like watching Steve Smith play with my dad and uh, learning a lot from like how he shot the ball and and how he had like a rounded game. So oddly enough, yeah, the blue like team USA, because I feel like you can't of all the fonts I've ever seen that Chicago cursive font and that team USA font is just hard to beat. Like they're just great fonts. So, and that was, that was kind of the um, first, like that was thrifting in one of those, like, uh, you know, like those sports stores that sells like old, like nineties memorabilia and like sneakers. And they just had like a huge amount of jerseys and it kind of got me back into like a little bit of like nostalgia. So, um, also one comment on the Jalen Brown Jersey, good thing fanatics does the uh, return policy because come on, bro. I mean, I'm still going to, I'm <laughs> come on, bro. You got to start the, you got to start the show off with that. You know, I've been losing sleep over that topic. Right, I've been waiting for this all NBA team to go ahead and get released because if he's on it, we're good. We're going to sign him for life. He's going to get the mats, but he's got to be on the all NBA team, which means they have to, they have to uh, make sure that he's counted as a forward because he plays in a forward minutes where he can, he can uh, make the team as a forward. As long as they do that, he's got to be on it. Back to your conversation though about the USA team. I had one one classic jersey I did forget. I got one bird jersey, and it is the Dream Team number seven uh, Larry Flex. Bird jersey. That's another one. That's uh, that one's hard. I'm not gonna lie. I like that one a lot. That's a major flex. You got to frame that one. I think it just mat- matches my back issues. You know, like he spent a majority of that time watching. You know, he was on <laughs> foam rollers a lot, stem machines. So a um, little nostalgia there for me as well but i do want to touch about this jersey here i get a lot of compliments on this one the one i'm wearing right now is um for those of you listening is a it's it's somewhat of a limited edition boston jersey now i can't say boston celtics because what it is is we we i say we the celtics community we're we're a different breed and i've been following this guy on twitter now for um probably about, about a year or two and what he started doing this year is for every win he designs a brand new jersey and it's a, it's a great Twitter follow. It's Pete M. Rogers, R-O-G-E-R-S. And so every time the Celtics win, he designs, you know, gets in Photoshop, designs a jersey. Well, the hype and the, the notoriety around it was so high that people actually were like, yo, I would buy this. Like, you got to make these. Now, once again, due to 
legal issues and things like that. He can't actually put Celtics branding and stuff like that. So this one, it's, it says Boston down the side. It's an all white and black jersey with a couple of colored stripes in the middle. And it is referencing number zero. But if you look on the back, um, there is no name. There's no Tatum or anything like that, once again, due to rights. But I tell you what, the quality is really good. Um, it's a comfortable jersey. I've hooped in it, and I'm just going to hang in it as well just because it's a, it's a nice, comfortable, lightweight jersey. But anyways, I wanted to bring these up because that's a pretty dope idea. Have you ever heard of any other teams that do anything like that, like their fan bases or anything like that? No, dude, I I don't. And when you brought that to my attention, I thought it was a very Boston thing. Because like you said, you guys like are like a, a, a different breed. Um, fan Boston fans... Um, and that kind of goes across all your teams. So Patriots, you know what I'm saying? Red Sox, like all, like every sport pretty much can't stand Boston fans. And this is, and it's in a sense of respect, you know what I'm saying? Like, not like, cause you know, people are like, Oh, I hate those fans. It's just like, you guys are so passionate about your teams. You know, all the players, you know, the history of your, of your franchises, like you guys are up or down, you're there you make sure the players know that you don't appreciate how they're playing or how they're treating the brand and you guys win a lot. So when you win a lot, people don't, people just don't like you. You know what I'm saying? So, um, no, I always thought that like no other team is doing that. Like, bro, if, if you're listening to this right now and you're an artist with a following, you should probably just start doing that to be honest, because it's a pretty cool concept and look what it's turned into for the guy. You know, you're watching every, every win to be like, what's the new Jersey. You know, for sure. And it's definitely I mean, it's brought him all kinds of notoriety all over the place. And another thing I'll say about the Celtics, like and you, you mentioned even the Patriots, things like that, like they don't really do anything out of the box. Like they they don't do the really cool. Like I always thought like Brooklyn Nets do a cool job of releasing new cool jerseys and the Phoenix Suns always do a good job of pushing all these cool jerseys where like the Celtics, they keep it super like clean. This is exactly what it looks like. I do like the somewhat newer one they did that matches the banners. I don't know if you've seen that one, the white and green. They rock those ones every once in a while. Those are some of my favorite that they kind of best player. They kind of thought a little bit out of the box, but I think it was just really a flex. Like just so you all know, these are these are banners that we got up in the rafters. So I definitely think it's a uh, it's a cool concept. I love that this dude's doing it. Um, I'll definitely keep an eye on it as time keeps going, and hopefully the playoffs he's able to continue. Um, creating new designs and stuff, but some of them have been fire. I think he released roughly about five that you can actually purchase That's cool. you know, through a company and, and things like that. I do have one last question about jerseys though. Me and you both hoop on the regular. Somebody shows up in a Jersey, like a real NBA Jersey, not like a pickup game Jersey, like a real NBA Jersey. What goes through <laughs> your mind? Yo, you're a target. Buddy's trash. You're trash and you're a target. I remember one time uh, I had come back from playing overseas and, you know, whenever you come back, all your boys are always so excited to see you. They want to go and play because, you know, they've seen what you've done on film, you know. So one time we went to the gym to play and uh, we get there first game, like first possession. And the guy guarding me is wearing a Jordan UNC jersey. Yo, I'm on the left. I'm on the left wing. I'm on the left wing, and you know I'm left-handed. You know, most people don't pick that up. He closed out on me, 
one dribble, two steps. It was one of the nastiest posters you ever seen. Like they just, I think they like just pulled his jersey off and just like made him like go sit down. It was if you come with a jersey, like we're automatically gonna think, just like B said, you cannot play. And second, we're gonna be whatever that guy on your jersey does. If he's a shooter, you better be shooting, or they're gonna they're gonna kill you. If he's a defender, you better be defending. <laughs> Hey, you should him with the Kobe Bryant treatment and said, take that jersey off, man. You have to, you have to earn that jersey. You can't just wear that jersey. <laughs> Basically, yeah, yeah. And the biggest flex I do, so oh, I wear my years, wife's man. AAU jerseys. That's what I hoop in. Major flex. So I be hooping in like St. Mary's, uh, these like Nike dunk leagues and stuff that people out here have never heard of. And so they think I'm probably some like crazy hooper. And it's actually like my wife's from like middle school and high school. <laughs> Yo, any, any chance to talk about uh, to brag on Nicole because she, I remember one time when she was, I can't remember what show we were doing when she was telling us about um, like how she played in like the all city team and like, yo, to make like all city in like New York, I'm like, yo, that's cr- That just, to just be one of the best players in a borough in New York city to be considered just talked about, let alone like playing in those games. Yeah. So she's definitely one of the best hoopers I know. Hey, you see your boy in a 22 Jersey. Y'all might as well put Caperso on the back of that thing because your boy didn't earn it. That's the wifey. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one day, one day when she, when you guys decide to stop letting her recover and then prep another nine months to bake a baby, we're gonna actually go and play in like a three on three, and it's just, it's gonna be just pure pandemonium. All right, Marcus. So the twenty twenty three NBA playoffs are upon us. First thing we're going to do today is we're going to talk about the storylines that we are looking forward to. We're going to wrap up the podcast with the playoff draft, and we're going to pick our favorite teams that we think are going to win the title. But first thing is first, we need to talk about the storylines that we are ready to watch here as the next couple weeks unfold. And I'm going to get it started with the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, I'm going to do my best this whole show to not be a homer and reference the Celtics. I'm only going to reference the Celtics when when it's appropriate. But we'll, we'll see. I have been following the, the 76ers because, as a Celtics fan, all I've heard all season is how this year's different for them. And this, this team's different. And things are going to be different. I watched the game a couple weeks ago that the Celtics played against them. Um, it was towards the end of the season. It looks like about four games ago and the Philadelphia 76ers did beat them by two points. It was 103 to 101, but it was all of our backups. Like there was literally like no starters hardly playing in that game. And you would have thought that the Philadelphia 76ers won the NBA championship after winning that game. And so my storyline that I need to know your thoughts on is this whole James Harden, Joel Embiid, Back and forth. Are they is this finally going to be the year that they show up in the playoffs? Okay, so I'll before I get into that, I'll just ask you this one this one question. Is James Harden going to be a consistent player in the playoffs? Is he gonna turn into a player that doesn't disappear? The the history chart will tell you no especially if it's a big game. If it's any game after game five or six, he is MIA. He has never showed up. But 
his role on this team is different. He's he's now the Robin. He's not the Batman, right? So Batman's Joel and Beat. So is that going to change the narrative around what we expect out of James Harden and what he's actually going to perform at on the floor? So my so I one I agree with you. My answer to that is no. Because I believe in order for Harden to really allow them to move forward, he doesn't need to average, he doesn't need to hit 35 or 40 points, or he doesn't need to hit 10 or 12 threes. He doesn't need to do that, but he does need to get a solid 16 to 20 points, not turn the ball over. And we need like 16 assists, like straight up. Like that's a big thing I think that people don't really think about when these guys are getting triple doubles. if, If somebody scores 15 points and they get 10 assists, I mean, in essence, I'm accountable for at a minimum 20 more points. If not, I mean, that could be up to 30 points. You know what I mean? Depending on if they're twos or threes, you know what I'm saying? Or if they just turn into free throws or whatnot off of fouls. So it's not that he can't make a difference. And this is a big thing I see too, bro, with, you know, coaching these kids, you know, they just come in the gym, they're jacking up threes. All they want to do is dribble, 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 dribble. And I'm like, you can make a difference in the game and not be the person that everyone sees doing something cool. And I think that's what James Harden doesn't really know how to do just yet. He does it off and on, but uh, if he can do that, I think that they have a chance, but I don't really, just like you said, off of what we've seen, like, I mean, I don't trust you. I trust Joel Embiid. I trust Maxi. The track record is not great for, for James Harden. And I'm going to ask you this. What are your thoughts on Doc Rivers? Now, you want to talk about track records? His isn't great either. I mean, he has that one with the Celtics. He he did take that group, but that was a, that was a generational group. You know, I feel like almost anybody could have been coaching that group and they would have got at least most, if not all, the success they got. Then after that, he goes to L.A. He does his stint there with everything that went on. And now he's been in Philly. He brought up some points this week talking about how this Philly team doesn't remind him of the Clippers team. It reminds him more of that classic Celtics team. And that like blew my mind because there couldn't be two teams that are further apart as far as like comparability at all. And so. What are your thoughts as as Doc Rivers goes and his ability to coach inside those big games and make adjustments? I didn't hear that quote, B, but now that I heard that quote, uh, just one word comes to mind, delusional. And it's it's no way. It's no way. Like, you can't compare. That team had Rondo. That team had Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, KG. First off, like, those three guys, those last three guys are all, like, Hall of Famers. Rondo, there's a chance. Yeah, there's a chance that Rondo is going to be seen in a much different light. I believe when his career is is over and people really dig into his IQ and what he demanded from players on the floor, like Joel Embiid, I you know generational type guy, and I have a lot of respect for the way that he developed his game coming out of Kansas. Um, you know, look, big guys deal with injuries. It can take you a while. That's why I hope that when Wimby comes in the league that they sit his ass for a year, make him lift, just let him get used to the pro game, literally just give him a redshirt year. But absolutely not. Don't compare those guys to those teams. Like, those are players that we all loved. You know, we all loved, and seeing them on the same team was just like, man, 
you know, and that changed the course that if you really want to say they changed the course of basketball because people were like, we've got to build super teams. So if you want to blame somebody for it, you know, blame them because that was the original super team. Like, but no, absolutely not. I mean, Joel Embiid, I don't trust anybody else on that team to like show up consistently. And I'm worried that Embiid can keep up that volume um, because he's going to literally have to drop 40 a game, like for real, for real. And I feel like the Celtics, you know, they have a bunch of bodies out for, you know, Robert Williams. We have bodies that can that can contest with him. If he if they do win and they move on to the Bucks, obviously Giannis, uh, you have Lopez. He's gonna have to go through some people to to get to the championship level. But I was thinking even about, you know, Doc Rivers and those comments. You know, he said that the reason that the Clippers didn't perform as well is because they didn't get along as a group, like this group gets along. And I'm sitting there like listen to this man talk about it. And I'm thinking about that roster. I would maybe like to play with Joel Embiid. I think his ability to set screens and to, to score and, and pass the ball and things like that. There's nobody I would rather less play basketball with than James Harden. I do not want to play basketball. I would with never want to play basketball with James especially Harden. Especially if he's going to disappear in the bigger games. And so you're going to tell me that that team gets along better than Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, CP3 and those cats, like that was to me the word that comes to mind is desperation. This man knows this is his last shot in Philly. If he if he doesn't perform this year as a coach, he's out because they're not going to get rid of Embiid. They're probably not going to get rid of Harden either. So guess what, Doc? You're up, buddy. You better show something and you better show it in a big way, especially when you start thinking about the coaching matchups. Missoula is a rookie coach. So you've been a coach now in the league for – getting close to 10, 20 years, if you can't out-coach a rookie coach in, you know, potentially getting close to a finals matchup, I think it's going to be time for the Sixers to move on from from Doc Rivers. Yeah, but the, the thing is, is you know he can't. He doesn't He doesn't out-coach. He doesn't – I mean, not, it's not disrespect. Like, I've, Doc Rivers – you know what I think of Doc Rivers as? He's a great, like, uh, developmental coach. He's a great guy for bringing guys together. Hold on. How do you say that, though, with Ben Simmons? What did he do to Ben Simmons? He ruined Ben Simmons' career. So not skills. I agree with you there. Not skill-wise. I mean, just if your franchise is trash or if your franchise needs to kind of build, like, more consistency and cohesiveness, he's good He's good for that because you are right. They, they did break Ben Simmons, and you can say whatever you want, but it's the team's job to protect him. You know what I'm saying? And it's their job to build him with that confidence and not do they did the opposite of that. Joel Embiid too, like you're a bad teammate. I don't care what you say. Um but uh but he's not a guy that like finishes the job and gets it done where yo Missoula those guys, they're so deep. I talked to you about this before. What's the difference between Boston and, you know, cuz Jack's team, you know, our other homeboy, we're always talking basketball. Chicago, my team, the Magic. Um we're talking about the Sixers, the Sixers. What's the difference is, is front office player development and scouting. They go find these players that nobody really would have thought of two of their starters for or two of their big players for the Celtics are guys that weren't very big guys, like in college. And most got people would have looked, would have overlooked them and they're big, big contributors. Um, those other franchises I mentioned, they don't have that. The front office is trash. There's not cohesiveness up top. So then that leads to a lack of cohesiveness, co- cohesiveness down on the floor. You got trash scouting. You got trash player development. 
Lakers too, right? That's why all the Lakers picks that they've had great picks, by the way, they just end up being good yep. for somebody else because y'all's player development is trash. Yeah, and I think that that's going to come back to bite them. I think um, the last game of the season, I, I really do think that the that Philly will move on in the first round. I think it's going to be Boston Philly. As a as a Celtics fan, I'm, I'm preparing for that. And then I just look back at the last game of the season and our fourth string point guard, which is Peyton Pritchard, who probably won't see the court in the playoffs. A man dropped a heavy triple double and was balling. That's what I'm talking about. So you just don't see that with other teams. And I, once again, I'm, I'm probably I'm sounding biased. All the non Celtics fans are like, "All right, bro, you get it. You're a Celtics fan." But nah, because that was one of the guys I was referencing. So I think just things like that. You know, I can name three or four dudes on Philly, and then it stops. And that's where I think uh, the, for the depth and the long runs that these playoffs these playoffs take months, bro. We're talking two months of basketball. We're not talking a couple games. So I think that uh, it's going to be interesting to see what pans out for the Sixers. One of the things me and you keep touching on is the drama that they have been building on this. Now, I do think that the play-in tournament has helped with that in a good way. I think the basketball this last week has been amazing watching these matchups go back and forth. But I know with you being a longtime Hooper and, and seeing this kind of all unfold and the way that the NBA is building these dynamics around these players, I, I'm just curious to hear what your thoughts are around kind of the storylines that you know potentially the media is building around these players. Yeah, and this kind of goes back to are if you if you haven't listened to our episode about uh women's sports um go back and listen to that but this is a part of what makes the NBA such the machine that it is so to me i really have four major ones that that stand out for me so i'm just going to rip them off for you okay i try to do some headlines right for for your for your audio amusement Three of these teams are actually out of the West and uh, one of these teams is in the East. So the first one I'm going to start out with, I watched them way more than I ever have since LeBron James came. To, I mean, since Kobe and Shaq were playing, I mean, I haven't really watched the Lakers like that. I mean, up until Kobe's last title runs, um, but the Lakers. So the Lakers rise. Right. And this is basically like post trades, like new number who this because they're a completely different team. They're like supporting each other. They're in the locker room, like all about it. People are excited when guys are scoring. They're just all over the place. You know, they've got some young talent in there that's defensively motivated. So that that gives you a real opportunity in the playoffs. And I think they're just a completely different team, even though Braun was out for a while. That was good for them. The second one is Memphis. And uh, it's just, are y'all legit? Like I just, all this conversation about, you know, they're not worried about anybody and they're losing all these players. Like, are you guys legit? You know what I mean? So like, what do you think about those two, the Lakers and, and Memphis? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and skip the Lakers. They won't get any of my time on this show. Um, <laughs> they just won't. So I'm going to move on to Memphis. I tell you what, you know, as a fan of basketball in the NBA, I, I love that they are bringing a competitive side back to it where it is us against y'all. I do feel like that. It has been lost. I know it's touched on a lot in different shows, but that like that, that portion has been lost. And I one thing I do like about Memphis is they're like, no, like it's us versus y'all. We don't like y'all. We're not friends with y'all. Warriors, we don't care what y'all have done. Lakers, cool. Bring them. Let's go. Um, I do like that aspect. Now, that only lasts so long if you're not winning games. So they got to go out and they got to beat the Lakers. 
and they've got to beat the Warriors in these playoff series. I do think they have the talent. Um, I think that Ja is is a very special player. I'm going to say this as lightly as possible. He's the only player I've seen that truly athletically matches up to what I believed MJ was in my in my youth. He is somebody that I watch, mm. and I am very impressed with his ability to get off the ground, hang, perform the shots that he does, the dunks that he does, and things like that. Now, I'm not saying he's MJ. I'm just saying he's one of the only players that I watch, and I'm like, man, that's what it was like to watch Jordan when he would jump and how finesse he was. Now, you got guys like Bain on that team. You got Jackson, so they have talent. You know, They have big Steve Adams in the, in the middle. So I think that they do have the pieces, and I do love the aspect of them chirping a little bit. I'm good with the drama that, you know, the jaw thing brought. Whatever. He's a kid. He made some mistakes. Whatever. I think he's fine. I think the team's fine. So I love that they are bringing a little bit of chirpiness, a little bit of fire back to the game. Now it's time for them to show up. No, I agree. Uh, Great points there, especially with – yeah, I – I think the thing with John ja Morant, when you're talking about his explosiveness, that's a part of the two, like what really scares me, you know, because people don't understand like the amount of torque that it takes to create that type of explosiveness, um, along with how much he falls and that it's just a further distant when you jump that high you already have further to fall you know and then he's a smaller guy getting i mean this guy's getting his hand look i mean i'm six eight you know what i mean in my in my playing time i was about 225 um he's not near that and so me falling i got a little bit more size on me you know what i mean um but that guy taking those spills it is scary and i just hope that he can um I hope that he can maintain. I mean, look at Zion. Same thing. Zion needs to lose some weight straight up, but that shit is just unprofessional. But um, yeah, you just hope that he can that he can maintain. I thought that was a good point. All right. So the next one I got, the the third or fourth, Sacktown. All right. Welcome back. Better luck next year. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I feel about it. That's that's like, listen, it's great to see. Like, I love. I love seeing, you know, that team, you know, have the resurgence, the fans, they're amazing out there. I don't know if you guys remember the cowbells, you know what I'm saying? From their last, you know, run back in the day. Um, but yeah, absolutely not. Thanks for coming. You guys don't have enough experience. You're going to have to learn the hard way. Like everybody else did, um, sell some jerseys and, uh, just, you know, go down to Miami for a little bit and and better luck next year. Bro, They couldn't have drawn a worse bid than getting this warriors team. That is just frothing at the mouth ready to just come back and attack that. And I know we're going to touch on the Warriors here in just a second, but the best thing that I heard this week, and you'll you'll get a kick out of this, I got a text from one of my buddies. I hoop Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And uh, Monday, let's just say your boy, your boy did a little something. And I was hit with a Peja Stajakovic, uh comparison. They called me a, a un, what do you call me, an unathletic Euro shooter. <laughs> he said, all you were doing was running corner to corner, <laughs> catching and ripping that thing. And I was laughing so hard. But yes. Yo, that's a lot of respect, actually, bro. I mentioned Jason Williams early, how he was you know, one of my all-time favorite players. I have his jersey from the Kings days. That, those Kings teams with Chris Weber and Vladi and Peja, um, those, are, those are some of my favorite teams of all time. But yeah, thanks for coming, guys. We appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> give you a good handshake. Thanks for showing up. We'll see you all next time. <laughs> Yeah, give him a little medal, you know what I mean? Enjoy it. Participation trophy.
Yeah, yeah, straight up. Like you said a couple things there. First off, any comparison to Peja Stoyakovich, Peja back in the day, so people used to always, you know, do the the Kobe thing, you know, when you shoot a ball, but there used to be a Peja was like it was yeah. kind of the same thing. It wasn't as high cuz obviously he never won championships, but Peja Stoyakovich was an absolute sniper. Fun fact, Peja Stoyakovich's son was in the McDonald's All-American game. I was like, log yep. off, bro. Like, I'm log he's off coming. how old is. He's coming. And he's 2. a good 0, player. Baby. He is a good player. <laughs> yeah, he's a good player. All right, last one uh, so we can keep it moving. Last one is Boston. It's, it's time, y'all. Like, it's time. This group, y'all have got to get it done. We've had y'all have had the picks, y'all have had the runs, y'all went through the Kyrie shit. The young guys showed you what you could do. You've brought in all these other players. You're getting guys that want to play for the veteran minimum. Like the fans are loving it. You got two budding superstars. Like went through this crazy. First off, you went. You you're now on your on your third coach who all come from the same like tree. They all perform well. You had all this drama last year. Still, you guys have no drop off. It's just like, it is time for y'all to like bring it home and let the ghosts of like the Celtics past just live where they are and just take over now that the Patriots aren't doing anything. (laughs) And you know what I'm saying? And just be that new legacy that can be built. You had to go here. All right. I did. I got the I got the clip loaded. Are you ready? I got the clip loaded. I didn't even know you were going to bring up the Celtics. I was going to try to not make this a homer. I was going to try to make this not a homer podcast or not a homer show. (laughs) But don't worry, the clip is ready. So, so you guys know, like we do, like plan, you know, some type of loose structure. But there are certain things that we don't share. So he really did not know that I had them them on my list or that they were the last ones. So let me read off a little something. Hit me. 2017, lost in the Eastern Conference Finals. 18, lost in the Eastern Conference Finals. 19, lost in the Eastern Conference Semifinals. 20, lost in the Eastern Conference Finals. 21, Eastern Conference First Round. 22, lost in the Finals. (laughs) I am positive that last year's finals took 10 years off my life. We swept Brooklyn. We look like the best team in the league. KD, Kyrie. That was a deep burn for the Nets. Go home. Thanks for playing. (laughs) See y'all later. Sweet. Get your brooms out. Then we go in to the next series. We play the Bucks. Watching Giannis against your favorite team for seven games is terrifying. He's the biggest, most athletic human on the court, period. Oh, yeah. Every time he would stop and shoot a three-pointer or a jumper, I stood up and I cheered every time. Because every time he went to the hole, you know you know the deal. Fast forward one more. Eastern Conference Finals. Jimmy Butler. There's not a player on the planet I hate more than Jimmy Butler. And that man was about half a foot away from sending us home with two seconds left on the clock. This has to be the year. This has to be. It's time. And Tatum came out of the gates ready to go. 
You know, I felt like at the beginning of the season, he showed he was he was an MVP front runner. He was out there. Um, what he did to Kevin Durant last year in the playoffs, everyone wants to talk about the finals. Look, that was a I just mentioned everything that happened up to that point. Those guys were tired. They went through a lot to get to that point. But when you look at that first series against Kevin Durant, one of the top 15 players of all time, look at that matchup. Defensively and offensively, Tatum gave him that work. But I need that Tatum for every single game all the way into the finals. I am praying as a Celtics fan, bring the Warriors. We need it. We need to run it back. I think this group needs – they need that matchup one more time, and they need to make it right. I think that they left one on the table last year. I think they had an opportunity to win it. But Steph Wardell Curry just took over. So the reason I say all that, you start looking at contracts, you start looking at timetables. If this if this doesn't happen this year, the Celtics are going to be a different team very quickly, whether it's next year or the year after. I'm praying, as we mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, please. It'll be next year. NBA, please make Jalen Brown an all-NBA yeah. player so we can sign him to the max. If he's not an all NBA player, can you break that down? So p- for people that don't understand why it's why the NBA kind of needs to play a part in that, because I had actually forgotten about that. And a lot of guys get snubbed because of snubbed because of this reason. And sometimes it's their team's fault, actually. So can you talk about this? Yeah. So Jason or excuse me, Jalen Brown on the roster is actually a guard. And so when they start to do these awards and the structure around these awards is that there's essentially two guard placements and then there's three forward placements and usually a big man. So it's usually like two, two, one, essentially. They always try to make sure that that last one is a true center. So when you look at, for instance, the roster sheet, especially with the starting lineups that the, that the Celtics start with Marcus smart at the one, then usually it's Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, and Robert Williams. So technically, if you look at that on a piece of paper, he's a guard. Well, the guards on the All-NBA team are very deep. But if you look at the minutes played, Jalen Brown actually has played more minutes as a forward. So he is eligible to make an All-NBA team as a forward. Now, why is that important? The Celtics, the the way the NBA contracts work, to my understanding, is that the only way that the Celtics can offer him the max money is if he makes an All-NBA team this year. If he does not make an All-NBA team this year, he's eligible for the max somewhere else and even potentially could get more money somewhere else. And with everything that's been going on with Jalen Brown as far as the Boston culture, you know, the things that he's trying to do on a personal level and the things he's striving to be outside of being a basketball player, I do think he wants to be in Boston. I think he knows the opportunity there to win, but I also think he understands that he has other goals and other things that are important to him. And those need to be a priority in his life as well. He's a really intelligent guy. As a Celtics fan, I'm sitting back and I'm praying and I'm hoping that he makes an all NBA team because if he does, which I believe he will, I think he's going to have the third forward spot. So he's going to be a third team, and he's going to have one of those two forward spots on the third team. If that does happen, then the Celtics can sign him to, you know, I believe it's the five-year max, all the money, all that stuff. And so 
I need that to be resolved sooner than later. I think if that's resolved and we're able to perform all the way through the finals, I think we're going to be a, a force to be reckoned with for a long time. If he doesn't make an All-NBA team and we have an early exit, like say Philly pulls it out, it's going to it's gonna start getting ugly in Boston really quick. And then they've already had to deal with the Udoka situation, the injuries to some of their players. They have assets you know, here and there. Al Horford's going to be on his way out. There's going to be some changes quickly. And so, for the love, <laughs> basketball gods, make my man Jalen yeah. Brown the All-NBA so I can ride this Brown yeah. and Tatum train um, for the rest of my fandom here. Heart, heartfelt, a heart, a heartfelt plea. I did kind of want to touch back on something though, because you mentioned the Warriors needing to play or the Celtics needing to play the Warriors and kind of make things right. You know, which I do think would be a, another great storyline because this is, this is going to be it for the Warriors, at least in this iteration, as we know, not that they'll be out of it forever because they, they have good player development. But um, so like, can you just talk a little bit more ab- ab- about that? Because I think this is a pivotal time for the Warriors and everybody can kind of feel that as well. Yeah. You know, you look at the Warriors just as a whole. I mean, the, the resume speaks for itself. These guys have been at a high competitive level for a long time. And it is getting to the point where it could be could be time. You know, I know that there's been a lot of controversy, obviously, to start the season with Draymond Green punching Jordan Poole. That was not a great start to the season. That was crazy, bro. Looking at how things were panning out with injuries. You have Steph Curry, who was in and out of the lineups due to injuries and, and struggling there. You have what I think is Draymond's inability to score in, in any facet that he can't even shoot he doesn't even try to shoot at this point and so i think that that brings a crutch to the team now i know he brings value in other areas but that is something that will have to be evaluated here especially if they have a early playoff exit and then i think something that's been fun for me to watch is the resurgence of clay thompson i never thought that i would see him playing at the level he's playing at right now 303 pointers this last season which is, you know, he's one of the only people ever to do that. So the shot's back. I understand that defensively he cannot match up the same way he did, but that's why you have guys like Kaminga and guys like Jordan Poole, that those guys can run around and let Clay be great at what Clay's great at, and that's shooting the basketball. So you also look at Steve Kerr and the run he's had there and the time spent and everything he's had to deal with inside and outside that building. And he's on the, I believe he has one year left on his contract. So we're talking guys that the contracts are coming up. The new NBA salary caps are going to hinder some of the things that potentially the Warriors would have been able to do. They've already moved on from Wiseman. You know, you have Kaminga, you have guys like Jordan Poole. They brought back Gary Payton. Um, It's going to be an interesting thing to see what happens. And I think a lot of what's going to be telling is truthfully that first series with Sacramento. Sacramento is a young, they're they're going to have to play well to beat those guys. I know we were joking, hey, guys, thanks for coming, thanks for playing, but they do have some skill and they can play basketball. And so I think from a legacy standpoint, we really could be looking at the last time that we're going to see Clay, Draymond, and Steph on the court together all at the same time. No, bro, I agree. I, I, 
Draymond is out of here, straight up. Somebody's going to pay him guapo to go to their team and be what he is for the Warriors and help them to build that culture. Strong chance that he just goes somewhere with some other really good players because all the shit that people talk about Draymond and, you know, the problems that he has with him and whatnot. Nah, you want him on you. You hate him when he's not playing with you, but when he you would love to have him on your team. And any I think any team would say that. So now I agree. This is the last run for them. And. uh, Celtics, man, it would be nice to see. I think they have to protect. Steph Curry at all costs. I think we're, we're on the same page with that. That man has to be a warrior for life. And so then you have to start looking at how can we continue to build this team around Steph Curry? And I think you look at the, the hesitation that Draymond brings inside and outside the locker room, inside, offside the court, you know, that man's, he's in a lot of places right now. And sometimes that can rub teams and guys the wrong way. And, and, you know, it could just be time. You know, I think we saw that with the Bulls in different renditions, you know, back in the day. We saw the Lakers. You know, everything everything has a timetable. And it gets to a point where these guys do want to move on and they want to have, whether it's their own spotlight, their own team, a change of scenery. I mean, when you're in the same place for as long as those guys have been there doing the same thing with the same group, it can get monotonous at times. And so – I think it'll be telling how this first series goes against Sacramento. I would say that my pick there would be four to one. Um, the Warriors will take care of business. Probably, I think they'll lose one just to give Sacramento some glory points. But as the playoffs continue, they're going to have to, they're really going to have to pick it up um, to perform. And so the Warriors are one of those teams. If you told me they won the finals this year, I wouldn't be surprised. If you told me Sacramento upset them. I wouldn't be surprised. So, and I think whatever happens there can really decide the long term of what's going to happen with this team. All right, Marcus. So to wrap up this show, we're going to take a minute and do a playoff picture draft. We're each going to pick our top three teams. We're going to alternate back and forth. I'll go first, then you'll pick your team. And essentially we're going to make our case of which team should and could win the 2023 NBA playoffs. So here we go. Homer pick Boston Celtics. Now it's a simple pick because they are my favorite team. They have been for as long as I can remember, but they are one of the best teams in the NBA record is uh, in the regular season was 57 and 25. They played um, at a high level, especially at the beginning of the season. They rattled off a ton of wins to get started. Um, You know, when you look at their offensive rating is 118, which is second. Look at their defensive rating; it's it's uh, 111, which is third. So they're, I believe, the only team in uh, the NBA that has um, an offensive rating and a defensive rating that's in the top five. You look at their skill players; you got Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. They're they're two all stars that are leading. Then you look at the supporting cast of Marcus Smart, Brogdon. Um, Derek White of Auburn playing at a very high level as well. Marcus Smart being probably the most inconsistent out of that group, but to be able to have players like Derek White and Brogdon um, coming off the bench and performing is a big thing. The bigs scare me a little bit. Al Horford showed that he could play at a high level in the playoffs. He did so last year, which helped us uh, secure the finals spot. Robert Williams has been in and out of the lineup all year. He is a game changer, not only on the defensive end, his ability to 
protect the rim, but also his ability to rebound the basketball and to give the Celtics second opportunities on the offensive end. One of my least favorite players, but every team needs one, is Grant Williams. He was the reason we were in the finals. If you remember, he hit all those three-pointers against the Bucks, which ultimately catapulted us um, into the finals. So he's going to have to play well. And it's going to be an interesting ride with the matchups throughout the playoffs. But I do, in my heart, believe that we will see the Boston Celtics in the finals once again. So a, a couple things about uh, that just stood out to me about the Celtics were first off they were they were expected to finish first in as far as a record in the league and their pace is like twentieth out of like thirty teams in the league their pace of play and I think because I'm going to speak about pace a little bit here later I think that's a huge asset for the playoffs just because of the way that the game slows down and changes a little bit so yeah. Uh, I, I like them a lot, man. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, you look at that and you think, man, they're 20th out of 30 teams, but you just hit it. The playoffs are a completely different style of basketball. Now, my worry with the Celtics that they have done in the past is it's pass it to Jalen Brown or pass it to Tatum, and everybody else just stands there and watches them try and win one-on-one matchups. The Celtics will not go to the finals if they try to do that. They have to continue to play team ball. They have to continue to move the basketball well. They're one of the highest – um, three-point shooting teams in the league, which is also helpful um, come playoff time. If you are able to make shots, obviously the point of the game is to score more points than the other team. So they are going to have to, their shooters are going to have to continue to show up. One thing that does worry me, and I'll wrap up the Celtics here so we can move on, is if you look at their overall schedule, the amount of overtime losses they had this season. That's something I look at as a fan and it stresses me out a little bit because one, we're going to overtime with these teams, but two, we're not finishing the job. We're, we're getting to a point where we're no longer able to hold them off and we're eventually losing the game. And some of those have been major comebacks by those teams where the Celtics were up 20, 30 points. The team fought their way back. You know, we take it to overtime. Everybody from a fan base is like, oh, we're good. We're good. We'll be fine. And then the, the overtime is over and we lost. And so... There is going to be close games. We're going to need Tatum to play at a high level the final two minutes of those games. We're going to need Jalen Brown to show up at those in those moments, and I do believe those guys can. But that's the last thing I wanted to touch on. Those overtime losses during the regular season, those are tough, and, and they tell me that potentially there's some holes as far as finishing teams off at the end of regulation. Mm. No, that's a good point, man. Dropping some gems there, bro. All right, well, I will lead with uh, my first pick, and that is the Milwaukee Bucks. And it's it's for a few reasons. So first things first, like, hey, listen, they were projected um, to finish, I think, fifth in the league. Obviously, they're first in the Eastern Conference. Huge accomplishment. But I want to speak about some of the things that their team does really well. So first off, they've got uh, two players in the top uh, 20 in the league in defensive rebounding. They've got two players in the top 20 in assists, three players in the top 20 in defensive rating, defensive rebounding, two players um, in total rebound percentage, two players in the top 20. So those are big deals because like you're talking about with the playoffs being a slower game, 
um, that means that possessions come that much more. Every single possession is that much more important. Now the turnovers obviously isn't a, isn't a great thing, but I think having Giannis who's what, like fifth in the league in points per game. And then also having uh holiday who's 12th in the league in assists and the most important having Lopez who was up for defensive player of the year and third in the league in block shots. I think those things that just shows like how much of a complete team they are. You know, I think they're even like two players in the top 20 league in total rebounding, you know? So I like those. I like seeing them. And honestly, that would be, that would, would be my pick for winning the finals outside of kind of, you said it earlier, the warriors, like I wouldn't be surprised if they won and I wouldn't be surprised if, if they didn't win. So they're kind of like a one B to the bucks, but it's those, those are the reasons that I go with the bucks. Now, Giannis, is going to need to, he's going to need to hit some of those shots that you talked about, like that you stood up and you cheered for. He's going to need to knock down a few of those shots at certain times because sooner or later, it's just, it's going to be do or die time and he's going to have to, but yeah, the bucks, my first pick. I think you touched on some great points as far as from a defensive standpoint, their ability to match up with teams is going to be very helpful. They have, Drew Holiday, who's definitely one of the top defensive guards in the league. You have Brooke Lopez, who I believe, as you mentioned, was um, up for defensive player of the year. He also has, I believe, the number one spot when it comes to contested shots. And one of the reasons he's able to do that is the team defense that they play, it gives him the opportunity opportunities to float a little bit and to make those plays um, on the basketball and the shooters. Giannis, I think for me watching him last year and what kind of happened towards the end of the Celtics series is he got burned out. And I think part of that was Middleton not being around and not helping him carry that load. Now Middleton this season has not performed as well as they had hoped. There's not a lot of comeback glory with him as far as coming back from his injury. And so I think to be honest, from outsider looking in, looking at the Bucs, I think it's really going to come down to what Middleton can bring and his shooting and scoring ability, and can he perform well enough on the defensive end where he's not a liability that's costing um, these guys matchups? Because when you look at teams like the Celtics, or I would even say say teams like the Cavaliers and things like that, you're going to have some twos and threes that are going to be able to really score the basketball, and so he's going to have to play at a high level outside of um, the three that I mentioned, Drew, Giannis, and Lopez. Yeah, man. These are, those are all, those are all good. Really, really, really good points. I'm just, I'm just excited to see the Chris Middleton thing. Scary. That's he's like the second highest paid person on their roster too. I think at like 32 million or something like 37 million, something like that, just below like, uh, Giannis obviously, but yeah, he, um, he hasn't been very dependable. Hopefully he gets, hopefully he gets healthy, man. He just hasn't looked right. That's actually going to transition into my next pick because this team has looked nothing but right, and that's the Phoenix Suns. So my my next pick is the Phoenix Suns. They had to go get Kevin Durant, didn't they? They just had to. Had to. Now they gave up, you know, multiple players, multiple picks to get him. But you put Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant on the same floor. That's that's a force to be reckoned with, and. We pulled up their basketball reference page. I can't even really look at it because Durant played, what, less than 10 games with that group, and they were undefeated. So 
really, I could only really look at those last, you know, handful of games as far as the basketball reference, because that's really the team that we're probably going to see in the playoffs. You know, it's, it's a long season, the 82 games, but, um, you know, from, from the preseason odds, you know, they were, they were, um, they were plus 1000 over under 52.5. So they were in the mix as far as being a championship contender, but that was before Kevin Durant. And I think anytime you have Kevin Durant, his ability to score, his ability to play defense, and they can even bring out some crazy lineups by putting him at the five. I think their ability to um, control the pace with Chris Paul, their ability to score with the two mentioned Booker and, and um, Durant. I think that they're going to be a tough bit. And I think that as long as those guys can stay healthy, particularly Durant and CP3, I think CP3 is a winning player. I think he can lead a team to the championship. I think that him being kind of the third guy in this is helpful. I also think having DeAndre Ayton uh, down low is, is going to be a pinnacle piece because those four ain't coming off the court because they're, they don't have a lot of depth. So my questions going into this for them is going to be how fast can they get through these teams? If they're having to play a lot of six and seven game series, I think that the mileage could start to wear, especially on somebody like Chris Paul and even Kevin Durant, where if they're able to take care of business in round one and two inside of five games, I think that that's going to give them the opportunity in that Western conference final, whatever the matchup may be uh, to perform at a high level. Yeah. So I got a couple, a couple interesting things here. So, um, First off, did you know that Kevin Durant has only lost two games since November 27th? That man's tough, bro. That's a, that's a crazy stat. That's a crazy stat. Second, when you take a look at, you know, the, you know, the players that they have on team leaderboards in comparison to what I was just speaking about, the Bucks. Everything that you see is pretty much minutes played, usage percentage. There is some steals. Um, two players in the top 20 in the league in steals. We're seeing him stand out in field goal percentage and free throw percentage. And if you don't have guys on your team standing out in rebounding defensive categories and the things that play into a slower game, that makes me a little bit worried. When you're talking about pace of game, they play the way I would expect, which is their 22nd of uh, their 22nd out of 30 teams. And far as pace again, built for the playoffs, you got Chris Paul running the rock for you. I am a little bit worried about the fact that campaign is listed on the injury report as day to day with a back injury. I'm not worried about KD because he twisted his ankle. They've got a Bismack Biombo. He's also on the, on their injury report. Um, but he's not a major like contributor. He, he's like day to day with the knee. That happens for a lot of guys, but seeing campaign day to day for his back. Yeah, that's a little bit, worrisome campaign is is big for them on the defensive end i think right now he's a, above his career average in points assists you know, about the same a little bit lower in field goal percentage um some of his other free throw percentage down but overall like he's playing very well for them especially in the role that they have him so that's just something that just kind of just like was just an eyebrow raise you know like damn campaign is on that injury report with a back injury so but um yeah, I mean, those guys are good. My prediction for them is like just falling, just falling short. That run they had in the finals, that was the best. I think that's the best it's going to, that it was going to, that it was going to get. I think for me, you have to look at even like deep, deep 
deep into their depth chart. You look at like Shamit, you know, they picked up Terrence Ross. They recently got TJ Warren as well. At, at points in their careers, those guys could get some buckets, especially TJ Warren. I know he had that run. I believe it was in the bubble. Um, with the I Pacers. really do like him. And Terrence Ross, you, you're familiar with him with his time in, in Orlando. He, he can get buckets. And so I think that mm-hmm. there's going to come a point in one of these series where they're going to need some one of those guys, just some no-name guy to show up. You talked about Biombo, you know, somebody like that to be able to, to take the load a little bit off at eight and at times. But I'm still looking at this overall list. And and if those four that I mentioned are on the court, I think that it, it could potentially get ugly for these guys very quick. You're right. So we'll see. There's a lot of youth. You know, you look at the Grizzlies, you look at even Sacramento, if they're able to pull it through, there's, there's some teams that are youthful and I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't put the Lakers in that category, but that could play a role if these series start to go to six or seven games. So, um, we'll see how it goes there with the Phoenix Suns, but uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough out for them either. Yeah, way. no, I think you're, I think you're right there. But when you have Kevin Durant on your team, that's all that matters because Kevin Durant is a top probably ten, if not fifteen, player of all time. So as long as you have KD, you've got a shot. Yeah, and you know KD is one of those guys where like he's never gonna not be able to score the basketball. So I see him playing. I don't know. I don't think he takes care of his body the same way that Dirk that Dirk did. But I could see him playing for a long time and continuing to score and, and run up tons of wins and having chance at championship runs. I just hope he can stay healthy because being that he's not he's a more frail guy and he doesn't have that size on him. You know, in your later years, like you need that shit. So we want to go on to my next pick or you want to add anything here? Nope. I'm good. All right, cool. So and these are kind of like my. uh I say this is kind of like my dark horse pick because I think it's virtually impossible for them to actually win. But then again, they know what it takes to win and you got LeBron James. So you're never fully out of it as long as AD shows up to play, which having LeBron out, we started to see some of their guys have the ball in their hands more and start to show that they could do that. So you, I'm, you know, kind of saying along those same lines, some of the stats that stand out to me because of how I like to play pace, they're third of 30, which again, when you're talking about the playoffs, that is going to slow down. So already that's a bit of a dis- disadvantage to you. But what I do like is their defensive rating of 113.9 puts them at 11th in the league. They've really stepped it up defensively. And I think we were talking about this in another conversation or when we were doing like some of the pilot shows to play defense is real simple. You got to have guys that are committed and you guys, you got to have young legs and they went and got those young legs. And when you're playing with LeBron James and you have a chance, you'll start to see guys get committed. They also picked up Tristan Thompson, which I think was just to have another body. I don't know how much he'll actually play, but the playoff experience is going to come in. So then I go and I start looking at some of the league wide stats and just seeing, you know, how they are on some of the, the, you know, individual player stat leaderboards. A couple areas that stand out for me are offensive rebounding, um, assist percentage, defensive plus minus, offensive plus minus. They've got two players in the top 20 for offensive, three for the defensive plus minus. Overall, plus minus, they've got two players in the top 20. 
I'm seeing offensive rebounding, I'm seeing assists, and I'm seeing scoring two-point field goals, which to me, those are great stats to have as you're building momentum going into the playoffs. So I think it's a toss-up. I don't, I honestly don't know if LeBron's body is going to be able to hold up for the playoffs, even though he he takes such good care of his body. I think there's just the, it's just starting to add up now, you know, and now he's going to have to play 40 plus minutes a game, literally just to keep them alive in the first series, you know, and then I just think they just run out of gas in the end, but I'll never, I won't say never because you got Braun and if AD plays, let's be clear. AD has to play the way he's recently played because that's a 40 and 20 guy. So, all right, here's my Lakers take real quick. First off, the fact that LeBron James has been playing basketball in the NBA since I was a sophomore in high school is completely mind-blowing. I know I sent you that stat earlier this week. I just think about everything that's happened in my life since I was a sophomore in high school, and I can't believe this man is still playing on a high level. Wild. The only thing I'm going to say about this team, and you actually touched on it earlier with John Morant, was the way that he falls and what it looks like. And every time I watch the Lakers – and Anthony Davis hits the ground, I think it's over. And that's what would stress me out. If I was a Lakers fan, every time Anthony Davis is on the ground, I'm sweating bullets. And, you know, last couple weeks, he's done a great job. He's fallen. He's gotten popped right back up. But I just feel like he's one of those players that's always one fall away um, from potentially sitting out for weeks. And so it's going to fall on them. And, you know, they made a bunch of adjustments and, and throughout the season, you know, all the different characters that were in and out of that door, Pat Bev, you think about him, you think about Russell Westbrook. Now they just, they've got a solid group and I'm not going to say they don't have a chance. Whenever you have LeBron, you always have a chance, but it's going to be very interesting to see if those two can, can sustain for a whole playoff run. And I think that's ultimately what we're going to have to find out. And it goes back to my point with the Suns, like how quick can they get through teams? You know, when they go to play Memphis, it's, they're going to have to take care of business quick because if they start going into these six- and seven-game series, I saw it with the Celtics, and the Celtics are a young squad. That starts to tally on you. you know, all those minutes and all those long, hard games, it, it can add up very quick. So I think we'll be able to have a very good idea of where the Lakers are going to be, I would say, within the first three games of their playoff run. And if it's 2-1 Memphis – it's not going to be good because they're going to have to they're going to have to fight and claw their way back just in round one before moving on to the next series, which is going to be a tough matchup there as well. And so we'll see. I pray they go home the first round. That's all I'm going to say. I'm a Memphis fan. Let's go. I feel you. All right. So I'm going to go with my pick. It is the Denver Nuggets this is my final pick. As we get ready to wrap this thing up. I have to pick the Nuggets. I'm going to tell you why. One, they're, they were number one in the Western Conference, of course, with a 53-29 and 29 record. Their pace of play, you keep touching on that. And this is a team that fits that mold perfectly. They were 23rd out of 30. You look at you know, their skill players, Murray, um, you look at Joker, obviously. You know, those guys don't necessarily play at a high speed and run. They're going to be working that pick and roll. Until the death of them, <laughs> they're going to be running that back and forth as much as possible. The emergence of, of Aaron Gordon as a lob threat, um, his ability to play defense at the four position, 
and his athletic ability, I think, is going to help them throughout the playoffs. And he's he's only been in the late league eight years, so you know it seems like he's been around for a long time, but he still has plenty of athletic ability, and and he'll be able to sustain a long playoff run. Um, but the big guy that I'm kind of keeping my eyes on, and this goes back to when I lived in Missouri, is Michael Porter Jr. I remember the hype around him was insane with you know his ability as a six ten. You know, small forward. This this guy was supposed to be the next coming of whoever you want to tally to, Carmelo or Durant. He was going to be the next one, and he has shown glimpses of that at times. I think that he is a very high skilled player, but he's also injury prone as well. And when it comes to the playoffs, a lot of what you see, because we saw it last year, and specifically that Bucks uh, Celtics matchup, the Celtics were just he- healthier, and so they lasted longer and they ended up winning that series, and so. Can Michael Porter Jr. one play at a high level, but then also stay um, healthy? I think that, you know, like I said, I think Joker is is a, a century talent. I think he's, he has the ability to win them basketball games, but he's also not the same kind of guy that he doesn't individually take over. You know, he, he needs the other guys. He's going to put them in a position to succeed, but he's going to need some of those other guys to um, step up. And the last thing I want to mention about the Nuggets Shout out Jeff Green. My man, he's gonna he has a poster at some point in every season. This man's been in the league for 14 years, and it never fails. I'll randomly be watching Sports Center one night, and Jeff Green puts somebody on a poster. Shout out Jeff Green, Georgetown native, Boston Celtic legend. My man's still still making posters at 14. So I think they got a shot. I think that there is something to be said about the you know, having the best record in the league and holding that number one spot as crazy as the West has been. There is some consistency there. They have some size, they have some talent, but it's really going to come down to some of those extra guys. If they can really make it run. And last thing I do want to touch on, I almost forgot was Jamal Murray. We saw that he could play at a high playoff level. I mean, that matchup Kenny. a couple of years ago with, with Denver and, and the jazz was one one for the books, you know. We had we had our popcorn out every night they were playing. So if he can come back to that level, I think that Denver has a has a great shot. No, you said some some good stuff here, and I'll kick it off by saying, Murray, what a fantastic player. Their best chance was the bubble. The bubble year was their best chance. That's just that's how that's what I think. So you mentioned you mentioned pace. So um I'm going to go to a couple of stats. So offensive rating, look, they're rated fifth out of 30 defensive rating. They're rated 15th out of 30 gives them a net rating of like plus 3.4, which basically puts them at like six out of 30. I do not believe that in the playoffs, they are going to stop you. That's when I look at their stats, everything, as far as players on league leaderboards, I'm not kidding you, bro. Every single one is Jokic. Oh, oh, uh, KCP, Contavious Caldwell Pope is uh, steals per game at 1.5. He's he's 12th in the league. They've got a couple other ones, you know, field goal percentage, field goal percentage. They've got two players in the top 20 or 30. Three-point percentage, shooting. Notice you hear shooting. If Jokic doesn't do it, it's not going to happen. And Jokic isn't going to guard the bit, isn't going to guard the guys that are playing out on the perimeter. He's going to have to deal with the bigs. And 
yeah, I'm just looking at what they're going to be able to do defensively. And I don't, I don't see that. I don't see them really being able to do much. I think they'll win a series or two because they are a very good team. Obviously, like you said, finishing where they finished in the Western conference, you know, I mean, nothing but respect for that 53 and 29 record. What were they picked that they were expected to be sixth and only win 49 games, not too far off, but first isn't bad by any means. But, uh, I don't think they're stopping you. Their best chance was the bubble year. Murray was at his height there. Um, just like you said, you, 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 you got, you know, guys on the team that were supposed to be, you know, the next coming, you know what I'm saying? Of some legend and they're, they're fantastic players, but not dependable. So I'm not going to think that I'm going to depend on you now in the playoffs when you got to play all these games in such a shortened period of time and you're not stopping anybody. So I knew you were going to lean into the, Joke it, defensive strategy, because I do think that that is a relevant topic. But something you have to think about, too, is like whoever whoever he has to guard, they have to guard him, too. And so that's where some of that matchup can be interesting. You know, the, the whole point of the game is to score more points than the other team. And so I've seen enough of Denver this season where you're right. They probably didn't stop anybody, but the other team couldn't stop them because Joker was just picking them apart. Guys were back cutting, mm-hmm. making open shots and things like that. Score more points than the other team. And so I think that as long as, you know, they don't have a lot of rim protection and things like that, I, I think you hit all that on the head. But I do think if they can control the basketball and run everything through Joker and he makes the right decisions, which we all know he will, they're always going to have a shot. Now, you look at the West, some of those matchups, it might get interesting. They're, they're going to have somebody drop 50 on them for sure. But – that could be the game that that Murray goes off or that Joker goes for a solid triple double and things like that. So I think it only time will tell. That's why they're my third pick and not my first pick. But I think, you know, having the best regular season record, I know regular season doesn't mean everything, but they did win basketball games and they play a winning style of basketball. It's just a matter of, will they be able to keep up on the defensive end and, and rebounding as well? No, I agree, man. Those are all good points, bro. Good team. Let's see what they do, man. All right. So last pick, Marcus, last pick of the show. So I have to go with the Warriors. I got too much respect for what they've done. I think they're like one of those teams that they just get in and they've got more than a punch, you know, than a boxer's chance. You know what I'm saying? Like they've got the experience. I don't really care. I honestly throw all these stats out of the window. And the most important stat is that they have Steve Kerr and they have Steph Curry. That's, those are the two big, I'm looking at defensive rating, offensive rating, yada, yada, their, their net ratings, like plus 1.8. It's like 11th out of 30. I don't care. Um, I'm looking at their stats so this kind of goes against everything else that I was saying. I don't see shit for them in the form of like defensive efficiency. I don't see any of that. Uh, don't really care. All I know is that they got Steph Curry. They got Klay Thompson. Andrew Wiggins is back, though I don't think that he's going to do very much because he's just been out too long, you know, dealing with his family matter. You know, prayers and thoughts go out to him and his family. They got Draymond who can't shoot worth a lick. He'll hit one shot every now and then, and everybody will be surprised, and it'll be a highlight. 
but they got Gary Payton the second back, which ups their defensive opportunity and the and the efficiency of what they're going to do on that end. For again, what we're saying is so important is the possessions slow down. Every defensive possession becomes that much more important. So having somebody like him, I mean, this was a perfect play, getting him back and getting him rested to be able to come in now. So yeah, man, I'm just seeing that roster and I'm seeing a lot of guys. Yo, they got Mac McClung on their roster. Did you know that? I didn't. I thought he was with the um, Sixers like G League team or, team or something. Yeah, it's. I guess that he moved up, but it says current Warriors contract. So they probably picked him up after, you know, all the stuff was going on. I think he had a couple, you know, runs with a couple teams. But talent wise, again, they're so good at developing talent. Um they got a couple, you know, DiVincenzo, a couple other guys that I really do like that if they got on other teams, they would be popping off. Um, I do like Moses Moody as well. So, yeah, man, I just I trust them. And it's one of those things, you know, I was just saying, I'm, I think I might be biased in that sense, B, because if you're a champion and you've dominated or you then I just believe that you've got so much more experience that other people just can't account for. You know, in the Eastern Conference, for you to, like, the Celtics haven't won it yet, but what teams are going to beat the Celtics? The only teams that are going to beat the Celtics are teams that have more experience than them. That's why the Bucks are such a threat. Nobody else, I don't think anybody else in the Eastern Conference can contend with them. I don't, I don't think that the Suns can contend with them. You know what I mean? But that experience that the Warriors have, that's just what I think sets them aside. And Steve Kerr at the helm, I give him, I give him a chance against anybody. I was actually watching Last Dance last night. It's the Last Dance is one of those shows I'll just kick on if I'm trying to fall asleep. And mm-hmm. I kicked it on. And it was towards the very end of, of the documentary, and they were talking about you know that very last run and, and what it took. And what was so funny is just like they just knew what it took, and so. As each game went on, each series went on, they knew what it was going to take to continue to finish the job. There you go. I think as these playoffs go on and the Warriors are starting to play these teams, they're going to know what it takes to finish off teams. They're going to know what it takes to win a game six, a game seven on the road. They're going to know all the ins and outs of exactly what they're biting off as far as these challenges. And, you know, I do look at Andrew Wiggins because I do know the impact that he made last year on that team and and their run for the title last year. I understand that it's a personal issue and that there's, there's some things going on there that were definitely hard to deal with, but he wasn't hurt. Yeah. So he's healthy. And so you and I both know sports can be an outlet where it can just be your time to close off the world and just ball. And maybe he's at the point where he's in the space where he can try to do that. And like I said, he's not hurt. He's not coming off a knee injury. He's not coming off a shoulder injury. He's he's healthy. Now, mentally, we'll see kind of what, what perspires there. But when you have a healthy uh, Wiggins that's able to perform, Clay Thompson's playing at the level he's at, and freaking Steph Curry, man. I remember – Last year, you know, I'm, I'm a closet Warriors fan just because I have so much love and respect for, for what they do. But it's different when your team's playing them in the playoffs, especially in the finals. And I'm just watching this man, and I'm mesmerized by his ability to play the game of basketball. 
if you ever get a chance, which I know there's highlights of this and things like that, just watch what he does even just off the ball. It is the most impressive style of basketball. And yes, like the team is built for it. He gets the screens. He gets the movement. But his, I mean, he had Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown. He had those guys running laps, and they could not keep up with him. And on top of that, not only does he run laps, then he can shoot. And so it's like you can't leave him ever. And there's nothing more terrifying for the other team than when Steph gets hot. And when Steph got hot in the finals, I knew it was over. We were up, whatever it was. I think the Celtics were up like 2-1. And I, I was sitting there going, man, we got a shot. And Steph got hot. And it is, it's a wrap. There's nothing you can do. You can't guard him. You can't stop it. You just have to sit back and enjoy it. And I'm hoping that we get the matchup back because I hope that guys like uh, Derek White and Brogdon can, can bring a little more spunk to it. And I think that Jalen Brown and, and, and Tatum have matured this year and will, will bring their A game this time around. But those guys just knew what it took last year. They knew, all right, we made it to the finals. Now this is what we got to do to finish the job. And they did it. Draymond did his shit where he started punking people. He started barking at Jalen Brown. He started barking at Tatum. And those guys weren't running. And I hate I hate guys like that, but you need them. And, and Draymond Green is the perfect guy he's a perfect villain and he has the ability to not only tap into the other team and stress them out and, and knock them off their game but also bring out the best and challenge clay and, and steph to to be the best versions of themselves so that's a great pick i think they have a great shot and, and i'll be interested if anything as a fan I, I just love watching them play basketball so i'm excited i'll be tapping into that for sure yeah, I agree. It's just enjoying watching them play is is a big part of because of how they play. And then don't forget, you know, Steph starts getting hot and then you're starting to get worried because the for instance, what we said earlier, if you go back to James Harden about not trusting him in game five and six and seven, you know, after game five, pretty much the opposite is what you get with Clay Thompson, who at any moment, any game in the series, and especially when you need him. Game seven, Clay, isn't that what it is? Or was it game six, Clay? I can't remember. Game six, Clay, yeah. He could drop eight, 10, 12 threes. You know what I mean? So let alone having to deal with Steph Curry going off for the same, you know what I'm saying? Or just getting a smooth 29. You got to deal with this guy on the other side who could go off for 30 to 40, 45 at any time. Just, and he's giving it to you all types of ways off the dribble, off the catch and shoot, you know what I mean? Not super fancy with it, but effectiveness, top tier. So, yeah, man, this was fun. I always like get, always like like getting to hear you nerd out on on basketball and drop that knowledge you have. I did my best to not make it too Celtics heavy. Sorry for the listeners if it was. Maybe uh, the Celtics will have an early exit, so we won't have to talk about them too much longer. But You did a good job. I'll tell you what, we got the Celtics, <laughs> the Bucks, the Suns, the Lakers, Denver, and Warriors. I have a strong feeling it'll be one of those six teams holding the trophy at once it's all said and done. Thanks again for tapping in to the Grateful Eight Show, where we talk about everything from sports to fitness to entertainment, relationships, business, culture, family, and more. Love y'all. It's going to be interesting playoffs, and we'll see how it all turns out here. Tune in next week. 
Grateful Eight. We'll see y'all next time. Thanks for being here with us.